Thank you, Richard, and good morning, everybody. My name's Peter Duckworth. I go to the St. Albans normally on a Sunday, and it's a, but it's a pleasure to be back here again and to see so many friends. I want to, as Richard has prayed, I want you to exercise your imagination a bit this morning. Imagine you're in the councils of heaven before the nativity. And God the Father is thinking about where he's going to send his son. What kind of place, what kind of household shall I send him into? And uh, there's maybe, maybe the angels sort of take sides and some say, well, look, find a perfect home where everything is in harmony and peace and that will be a, a perfect setting for your son Jesus to come to earth. And then another rank of angels says, no, let him take on some of the difficulties of this world. Go to a, perhaps a broken home or something like that. So what does God do? He sends him to the home of Joseph and Mary. Now, we need to just find out a little bit about Joseph and Mary to see who they were. Uh, we, we know a lot about Mary from what history tells us. We don't know so much about Joseph. And that could be that uh, actually he didn't feature for very long in Jesus' life. Do you remember the stories in the Gospels when uh, Jesus was preaching at some place and they said, your mother and your brothers are outside waiting to speak to you? There's no mention of Joseph, his father. <clears throat> and when Jesus returns to his hometown to preach in the synagogue, uh, and he reads from the book of Isaiah those wonderful words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to, bring, to bind up the brokenhearted and to bring, bring release to the captives. Uh, people say, well, this is amazing to hear this man that we know, but what, who does he think he is? Isn't this, uh, isn't this the son of the carpenter, and aren't these his mother and his brothers with us? Who does he think he is? So there's no mention of Joseph in that story. In fact, the last mention of Joseph that there is in the Gospels is uh, in Luke's Gospel when uh, Joseph was, sorry, when Jesus was 12 years of old <clears throat> and they went up to Jerusalem for the annual feast. Uh, do you remember his parents lost him for three days? It's quite a feat, isn't it, to lose your child for three days? Uh, but they thought he was part of the crowd, and he wasn't. He was back in Jerusalem. Anyway, it says that uh, after that incident, Jesus went home to his hometown of Nazareth and was subject to his parents. So we do know that Joseph was still alive at that point, but after that, there's no further mention of him in the gospel. And remember when Jesus is on the cross, his mother is there, but not his father. So, people have said, and I think this is quite a reasonable thing to infer, that his father had died by the time he reached adulthood. And that could mean one other thing, that actually Joseph was quite an old man when he married Mary. And here's another clue. Jesus had brothers and sisters, we know that, uh, but we have no record of Mary having given birth to any other child after Jesus. So it's quite possible that Joseph had already been married, but was a widower. And this is, in fact, a tradition that has passed down through sections of the church, 
that those children were children of a previous marriage. If so, they were still Jesus' brothers and sisters because they were half-brothers and half-sisters. Uh, but they, they weren't um, biologically his next of kin because, of course, his father was, was the Holy Spirit. But at any event, what we find about this family is that not all was hunky-dory. Remember, we were talking about the council of heaven and the sort of family that Jesus might go to. Well, I think there's evidence that this family, not everything was happy there. Why do I say that? Well, do you remember that incident in John's gospel where Jesus was going up to the feast and his brother said, oh, go and show some miracles. And it says, interestingly, it says in John's gospel, even his brothers did not believe in him. Can you imagine that? Jesus grows up in the household and his brothers don't give him credibility. So that must have been rather a tense household. I don't think everything was happy there. And actually, when we dig deeper into the story that John so read so beautifully to us this morning, we find that there were marital problems too for Joseph. Why? Because when he was engaged to Mary, she was found to be with child. Now, I don't know if you can see this timeline up here. If you can't, do walk forward and have a look at it. But you see, back at the beginning, there's the Annunciation, which is when the angel tells Mary that she's going to conceive. And I think we can probably assume that she conceived pretty soon after that. Then Luke's Gospel tells us that she didn't stay in her home, but she went off to see her cousin Elizabeth for three months. Now, the interesting question is, before she went to see Elizabeth, did she break the news to Joseph that she was pregnant? Well, there's no evidence in Scripture that she did. But there is evidence to suggest that she didn't. Why do I say that? Because when she came back after the three months with Elizabeth, it says in our passage, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. Now, what that tells me, I don't know what it tells you, is that Joseph noticed a telltale bump. That's the little cloud that you can see after three months. Joseph guesses. He's, he, he realizes that she's pregnant. And he thinks, goodness, how did she get pregnant? One thing he knew is that it wasn't him because they hadn't yet come together. They were only an engaged couple. And like good engaged couples, they didn't sleep together before marriage. So the only thing that can occur to Joseph's mind is that it's another man. And that's a problem. That's a problem because the one he loves is not faithful to him. What's he going to do? He's much perplexed about this, uh, but he realized he knows that Mary is a godly woman and wouldn't, he wouldn't expect her to get into this sort of problem. What does he do? He decides to break off the engagement. Our passage says he, he was minded to divorce her quietly. I don't think that can be quite right uh, because they weren't yet married. So I, I think I'm going to read that as a mistranslation and think that what it really means is that he broke off. He was minded to break off the engagement. So at Joseph's low point, when marital problems of every kind confront him, 
Just imagine what's going through his mind. I have found the perfect woman, I thought, for my children. And we're in love with each other, but I can't trust her anymore. Now, that was, for him, a very low point in his life. It was like a cross he had to bear. What does he do in that situation? He doesn't know what to do is the truth of the matter. He's perplexed. He is just thinking about it. It seems that he and Mary never really talked it through. It doesn't seem that she really explained to him about the angel. And perhaps she thought to herself, well, if I do explain him that an angel has come and made me pregnant, um, he won't believe it anyway. So, so somehow or other, they didn't get round to talking about it. So Joseph is in a complete fix. What do I do? Friends, it's in that situation that God comes to him through the angel. Angels, Scripture tells us, are like flames of fire. They're sent forth from the presence of God, and they are sent to be ministers of those who are heirs of salvation. That's you and me. There, when, you, when you're in a really difficult position and you don't know which way to turn, that's the time God sends his angel. I'm reminded, seeing Adrienne here, of a wonderful story that she tells, and I can't tell it as well as she does, but it's about a, a situation when she was on the M25 and was involved in a multiple collision. And somehow or other, she was rescued safe and sound, although her car was a complete write-off. And a, a leather-jacketed man who helped her out of the car, um, uh, she never met again, and the police didn't know who he was, and they didn't know how she got out of the car because, the, is that right, Adrian? She's nodding her head because the car was a complete write-off and it was impossible to get out. So that was, I think, undoubtedly a visitation of an angel. Uh, I, I'd like to be able to say, oh, I've had experiences like that, but I can't claim to have done so. But what I do feel and what I do know is that there are times when you don't see any angel, but it's like there's what I call a flutter of angels' wings. Have you ever experienced that? When it seems something goes so well and so unexpectedly that there's no other way of accounting for it. I, 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 to be honest, that's happened to me several times, uh, and it's when I'm in the sort of deepest despair like Joseph was. So that's a, that's a way in which God just ministers to us when we need it. What does the angel say to Joseph? Well, how does he deal with the man who, is, who has gone through this kind of low period in his life? The first thing he does is to affirm him. He calls him Joseph. And uh, the first, do you know, the first thing God wants to do to you is to affirm you and to tell you he knows you by name. Each one of you, John, Angela, Jilly, Emma, every one of you, he knows by name. Uh, uh, to my mind, that's just awesome. Um, I, um, I go to a cafe in my place of work in Hoban, and there I meet various people. One lady I met, an elderly lady, who was overweight and suffered badly from bronchitis. 
And I said, how are you? And she said, I I'm in terrible condition. My doctor says that I I've got this chronic condition and I can't get rid of it. So I said, well, may I pray for it? She was a Catholic, as it turned out. Uh, and so we said a little prayer. Anyway, <clears throat> I don't know whether she got better or didn't, but a few weeks after that, I felt God very clearly say to me, tell her that he knows, that I know her name. Okay, so I went back to talk to Gloria. That was her name. I said, Gloria, um, God just wants to tell you that he knows your name. And I just left it at that. I wasn't really, I haven't given any further insight as to why or whatever that meant. I have no idea what that meant. I don't see her anymore in the cafe now. I think she's probably dead. But I hope that those words meant something to her before she died. I believe they did. That's why God gave them to me. So the angel not only affirms Joseph by name, but also by his family background. Do you see? Joseph, son of David. So God is interested in your family, in your ancestors, your children, future generations. He has you in the palm of his hand, and he wants to be. That's the sort of family that God chooses to live in. That's the, I think that's what the story of Joseph tells us. That it's not you know, a perfect, idyllic family that God chooses. It's a down-to-earth, warts-and-all family. Remember Oliver Cromwell asked to be painted, warts and all. God likes to be real. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be dressed up in fairy tale language. He wants to be real to each one of us in our lives. I'm going to move on. The next thing that the angel did for Joseph was to affirm his role as a father of the family. Now, we live in a society which has largely thrown away fatherhood. Do you know? It's assumed that, that, that it's having babies is just, a, just for mothers. And fathers, okay, they're a nice add-on, but they don't really add very much. And so we have, we, have, we have widespread family breakdown and children growing up without knowing a father. And, of course, we're very foolish about this, and the more research comes out, the more it's realized that the place of a father is vitally important to the development of a young person. So these poor young people growing up fatherless. So the angel affirms Joseph's role as a father by saying, you are to give him the name Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Could have, he told Mary that she was to name him Jesus, but it was the father who had to give the name to him. Joseph was not, was not a blood relative of his son, Jesus. He, he, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So there was nothing of Joseph physically in his son. But nonetheless, God gave him what we call in modern terms, parental responsibility under the Children Act. <laughs> so he appointed Joseph to be his father. And that's important because Jesus was the son of David just like Joseph was. And it's through his father that he claims the promises that were made to David. So you can't cut out the father. The father's role is vital. That's what God affirms in us. Let's look at the name, the name Jesus. What a wonderful name. We sang that fantastic 
song. What a wonderful name it is. I could spend another sermon, but you haven't got the time this morning. So let's just dwell in our minds what a wonderful name it is. But I want to look at Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. See, God doesn't pick perfect families to come and stay with. He picks ordinary families like you and me. And I don't care what you've been through this morning. I don't care if you've had multiple divorces, remarriages, not even married. Whatever your present status is, however happy or sad or tragic, you know, it doesn't matter because God with us is the complete answer. I told the story at the first service, and I'll repeat it, that on Friday, I went to a house in Ealing at the invitation of a lady who had simply heard me by chance playing the piano. Uh, and she sent a message through friends of friends saying, would I come and lead carols at their annual work bash in Ealing? So, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Okay, yeah, I'll come. This was in a private house in Pittshanger, and there were 25 uh, health visitors gathered. These are the health visitors of Ealing. And they do this every year. They get together, they sing a bunch of carols, and have a few nibbles. Anyway, the hostess had arranged things so that we had three blocks of songs. The first block was three carols, the second block was four carols, and the final block was three slightly different ones. And unusually, she'd chosen How Great Thou Art, We wish you a Merry Christmas and Lord of the Dance. Okay, everybody knows Lord of the Dance. They teach it at school nowadays. So that was sung with great gusto. But when we sang How Great Thou Art, I thought this, it's unusual for somebody to choose that at Christmas time. So I said to a hostess, would you like to introduce it and tell people why it means something to you? So she said, yes, that was my mother's favorite hymn. And we sang it at her funeral. And also my aunt's favorite hymn, and we sang it at her funeral too. So this began to twig. I thought, hmm, something going on here. Anyway, you know the first two verses and the second verses, and when through the woods and forest glades I wander, and then you come to the third verse. Um, and when God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. I thought, we can't just belt this out. We've got to try and help people understand what that means a little bit. So I... I said, could we just stop for a minute? And I said, I told them a story. I said, one day I, when I was walking to work, I was walking through the Old Witch, and I saw a young woman carrying a bag that said, do everything with great love. And that reminded me of the scripture that um, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. And it also reminded me of another scripture in Romans, which says that by this God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <coughs> so I said to everybody in the room, I said to all these health visitors, isn't that wonderful that God should choose us to die for us when we were his enemies, when we were in our sins? Anyway, we, so we, they sang that verse with gusto, and then you come to the last chorus, uh, how, you know, and then sings my soul. And a woman in the corner called Marie, I saw her fist go up in the air, then sings my soul. And I thought, praise God, this is, this is God with us. This is him present in the room. We have talked 
we've talked about Jesus, we're singing about Jesus, and you can feel his presence. And I spoke to the, uh, the, the man, the head of the house afterwards, and I said, did that, did that go according to plan? He said, he said, yes, that was really good. He said, I feel like we're missionaries. <laughs> well, praise God. But do you know, as I said at the first service, God with us is the answer to so many things. In fact, it's the answer to everything. We prayed this morning about the Brexit negotiations. What a mess that is. But do you know, if our leaders, instead of arguing about it, just turned to prayer and spent half an hour in prayer, I think this could be sorted out in days. It's not that difficult. Just lift it up to the God and ask for his wisdom. And that's, God with us is the complete answer to life's problems. Messed up family, broken relationships, like we were praying about this morning, God with us is the answer. It brings hope. It brought hope to Joseph. You see, he didn't know what the future held. He thought that his, uh, everything was closing down for him. But instead, a new chapter of his life opened in a wonderful way. And it was the same for the rest of the family as well. It wasn't the end of family strife, but it was God with us. Thank you, everybody.